Okay, uh, what I want to do first of all, I, I want to just kind of tell the story briefly of Judges 9 to get the whole text in front of us. As I do that, I plan to write the outline for various points on the board. And then what we want to do is, is come back and look at some of these specifics more closely. But first of all, Abimelech is going to kill his 70 brothers and he makes himself king. Or the people of Shechem make him king. Now one of the things you may want to think about is what part to this point has Shechem played in the biblical story? And this is interesting to think about. But Abimelech persuades his mother's family uh, and they seize the throne and they go and kill all of his father's family that remains. There is one brother who escapes and he is named Jotham. Jotham escapes and he gives this parable uh, that Paul asked a couple of questions about. This parable, uh, this fable. And this fable is emphasizing that sometimes good men are doing too much worthwhile to be called away to positions of leadership. But those positions are anxiously taken by worthless men the bramble bush. And he makes an application to the situation with Abimelech. And the text emphasizes that if you've done right in making Abimelech your king, and if you've treated the house of Jeroboam right, by the way, notice that in this chapter, Gideon is always called Jeroboam. I think nine times in the chapter. But if you've done right to the house of Jeroboam, then God bless you and things go well with you. But if you have done wrong to the house of Jeroboam, then may fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, and may fire come out from you and consume him. May you mutually destroy each other. This is Jotham's parable. Now even the place where he says this, is significant. But also, then we find in verses 22 through 25 that God sends an evil spirit between. He sends an evil spirit between the men of Shechem and Abimelech. And Shechem was situated in a good place and where it was situated, it often had trade routes going along it. And it may be that these particular men that form groups, that they may have formed groups to, to rob others, to uh, limit the amount of, of resources that Abimelech got from their interaction. But there comes a man to the town by the name of Gael. And Gael stirs up the people against Abimelech. Well, when he stirs up the people against Abimelech, 
one of his men, one of the men, Zebel, uh, who is deputy of the city or governor of the city, he doesn't take it too well, and Abimelech comes out and fights the city of the uh, Gael. But he doesn't stop with Gael. He not only fights against him, but in verses 42 through 49, he fights the entire city. And the city seems to be unsuspecting, and we'll see all that transpires there. Then he goes to the city of Thebes, <coughs> Thebes, and he tries to attack it. But of course, here, something unfortunate happens. Well, not from the biblical story, really, but, but from Abimelech's standpoint, is Abimelech is going to be killed. Now, I could have done better with that. I apologize. Uh, but it gives you kind of a picture of where we're going in the midst of this story. Where we're going and what we're talking about. So, in verses 1 through 6, Abimelech son of Shechem went, Abimelech son of Jeroboam went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and spoke to them and to the whole clan of the household of his mother's father, saying, Speak now in the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that seventy men, all sons of Jeroboam, rule over you, or that one rule over you. Also remember that I am your bone and your flesh. Does this mean the 70 sons of Gideon were ruling over them already and that he's trying to take your place? Is there just this assumption that Gideon's family is going to take control? But in verse 3, his mother's relatives spoke all these words on behalf of the hearing of all the leaders of Shechem. And they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our relative. They gave him 70 pieces of silver from the house of Belbaran, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows, and they followed him. Then he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the sons of Jeroboam, 70 men, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem and all Beth Milo assembled together, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar that is in Shechem. Okay. Now, As Abimelech desires to become king, he goes to the people of Shechem. Remember in 831 that he was a son of Gideon and a concubine in Shechem. And so he goes to Shechem. He goes to his mother's family and he appeals to them. And which is better that 70 rule over you or that one. And remember... I'm your relative. Remember, I've got your concerns at heart. And uh, they were inclined to listen to him just on that basis. We're related to him. And he takes 
70. Do you notice, if you have the New American Standard in verse 4, it says, He gave 70 pieces of silver, but the word pieces is in italics, showing that it's not in the original. And um, so it doesn't quantify what uh, 70 of silver, it actually says, from the house of Belbereth. And they hired worthless and reckless adventurers. Do you remember in Acts 17 when Paul's at Thessalonica and uh, the Jews stir up the crowds against Paul? The King James Version had this uh, reading that, that I've always has uh, always stuck with me. It says, uh, the Jews got several looter fellows of the baser sort. And they picked the lowest life to stir up this opposition to Paul. And that seems like what's happening here from Abimelech against his brothers. He gets some baseless fellows. He gets some fellows that aren't worth much and uh, worthless and reckless fellows and they followed him. Now, where does that money, where does that money that hires these reckless and worthless men come from? The house of Baal Bareth. The house of Baal Bareth. Now, have you seen how idolatry just serves as the background for a lot of this chapter. You see that in verse 4. They get that 70 pieces of silver from Bel Barrett. If you look in verse uh, 46 and 47, it is hard to say um, is the tower and the temple of Elbereth one in the same or are they connected but there's some kind of connection uh, when all the people run into that tower for security another reference to not so much to idolatry but to a sinful practice look at 937 in 937 it talked about the people coming by way of the diviners oh the diviner's oak. Now, we have already pointed out that the term Gideon is never Gideon is never called Gideon, but Gideon is called nine times Jeroboam. Let Baal contend. And I want to tell you something that was really striking to me is if you look at verse two and you see that phrase, the leaders of Shechem. The leaders of Shechem. Now I'm asking you, work with me on this, because yesterday I had a test audience and they said I didn't explain it too well. Okay? So that phrase, leaders of Shechem, that word leaders, which is used, this is 14 or 15 times in this chapter. That is from the Hebrew term. It's a plural of the Hebrew term um, for Baal. Plural for Baal. Now, what does that mean? The word Baal had a legitimate use in the Hebrew language. The word Baal 
can mean things like owner. It can mean things like master. It can mean things like Lord. It can mean that legitimately. There is a passage in Jeremiah 3 verse 14 where the Lord says, "He, I am your bell. I am your owner. I am your master. I am your Lord. But we, when we hear the term, we generally think in terms of the false god, the pagan god, don't we? I think by using this same term in Hebrew, now like I said, it's used, I believe, 14 times in Judges 9. 14 times. By constantly calling the leaders of the city, calling them the, uh, the Baal, the owners, the masters of the city, the lords of the city. I think he is calling attention to their ultimate problem of idolatry. I think that's what he's doing in this. Even the description of the leaders of the city calls attention to their ultimate problem. So, idolatry is rampant in the book of Judges. And it is devastating in the book of Judges. And one of the questions Paul asks, how does Jotham, excuse me, how does Abimelech, my father's king, how does he secure the throne? How does he make sure he's the ruler? Kills his brothers. Kills his brothers. Kills his 70 brothers on one stone. 70 brothers on one stone. Can you think of a case like this in the Old Testament where someone is seeking to be king and he kills 70 of another group? Okay, 2 Kings 10, Jehu kills 70 sons of Ahab. Jehu kills 70 sons of Ahab. Now, let me tell you though, how these are almost the exact opposite of each other. In spite of the fact that Jehu does not do as well as he should. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He does eliminate Baal worship from Israel. He does have that good effect. And so the killing of the 70 sons of Ahab was an effort to eliminate Baal worship from the land. And what we've seen is this killing of the 70 brothers was even inspired from the money given by the temple of Baal. So they're the reverse of each other. They're the reverse of each other. And the people said they take Abimelech and make him king at Shechem. Now I asked you a second ago, what are some big events that happened at Shechem? Can you remember any big events that happened at Shechem? <clears throat> One of the things I would say in Genesis 12, 6... This is one of the first places, or maybe the first place, where Abraham was when God promised him the land. And he built an altar to the Lord there. So that's one thing. But I'll tell you what, David. Uh, Joshua, his final address. 
Joshua's final address comes at Shechem. And this is where Joshua says, choose which God, choose this day who you will serve. And the people said, we will serve the Lord. He said, you can't serve the Lord. Because if you serve the Lord, if you enter a covenant with Him, it is a serious thing. And if you disregard that covenant, understand, you're not going to escape His judgment. And they said, we will serve the Lord. And they set up, they even set up in verse 27, the stone as a witness between them and God of the words they've spoken. Now, am I saying this is the same stone? Not necessarily. But I'm saying the vocabulary calls to mind Joshua 24. But I will tell you this. I'll tell you something that may be the same. You notice in Judges 9 that they made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar that was in Shechem. Look back in Joshua 24 verse 26. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Could it be that the same oak used in Joshua 24, 26, where these people are given the book of the law and affirm their loyalty to God, could it be that same oak is the oak under which they make Abimelech king? It could be. Often there's an irony in places, in places that that have a good history are turned to bad or vice versa. Sometimes in Scripture and sometimes in life. It says the oak of the pillar here in Judges 9. Yes. And there was that stone that was set up under the oak. So maybe that stone and the pillar are the same. It could be. It could be the stone. I'm not I'm not denying that that's that yeah. it could be. Yeah, but, the stone that he killed his yeah. seventy brothers on was in a different spot. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yes, I, I yeah, and uh, so. Uh, this is what I th- thought you were talking about to start with. Yes, yes. My 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 point in that was just mainly the vocabulary yeah. and the connection. Yeah. So all of it calls to mind what a colossal failure this has been. Now, when Jotham gives his parable, and, and I, I guess I'm going to be like Paul's question here, who gives the parable? <laughs> Jotham. And then he asks a question about Jotham, which I, you know, I know it's inevitable and you always do that. And those are good questions. But, um, but Jotham stands where? Mount Gerizim. Now, what is significant about that, Mount Gerizim? Okay, that's the mountain where the tribes stand on to pronounce a blessing. But as later Paul's questions indicate, and verse 57 indicates, this is really a curse, isn't it? This is really a curse that he's pronouncing. I mean, he, he says, if you've treated Abimelech, if you've treated the house of Jeroboam well, fine. You know, but, but if you haven't, so this is a curse more than a blessing. So the mount of blessing becomes the mount of cursing. And what we're trying to do right here in connecting this with 
of Deuteronomy 27 and connecting the killing of these 70 brothers too with 2 Kings 10 and connecting the oak with Joshua 24 is what some writers call intertextuality. Looking through Scripture and seeing where these ideas compare and contrast and helping us fit the story of the whole Bible together. But in this parable, and I'm going to sum it up without particularly, uh, without reading every word, though it would be worthy of our time. Jotham stands and he says, the, the trees come to the olive tree and they ask the olive tree to rule over us. And the olive tree says, listen, my oil is providing good for God and good for man and, and, and I'm not going to give it up. And then they come to the fig tree with the same kind of request. And then they come to the grapevine. All of these staple crops in the land. All of these things the people uh, depended upon for life. And in this case, all of these good trees turn down positions of leadership. But the bramble bush is quick to volunteer. Now, tell me all the good the bramble bush does. Build a fire with it. Oh, you build a fire. <laughs> That's what's going to happen with this bramble bush. But you build a fire with the bramble bush. And, and I think it's ironic the way the bramble bush speaks here. In verse 14, the bramble bush says, Come and take refuge in my shade. And you take a tumbleweed in the state of Texas or uh, the plains of Oklahoma. You know, is that going to provide you a lot of shade? not going to provide you any shade. And so he, he is making an equivalent statement. Really, we haven't seen uh, anybody in the text that relates to the olive tree, fig tree, and grapevine that turned down positions of leadership. But Abimelech is clearly connected with the bramble bush, and he is offering refuge in his shade. And then this leads us to Jotham's comparison, Jotham's parable. And um, what would you say is the point of that parable? This is kind of, in different words, Paul's question. But what's the big point of this parable? I had a comment okay. before that. So another thing about the bramble is... I mean, I'm thinking bramble, briars, and everything. If you try to take refuge under the shade, all you're going to do is get hurt. I mean, it's not like an oak tree where you can go up to the oak tree and you've got your shade and everything. It, I mean, yeah. getting that close to the bramble, you're going to end up with thorns in you. So, so it's not only going to be useless, yeah. but it's going to be painful. Yeah. So that, that, that's right. That's right. But what's the... What's the message, the final message of Jotham's parable. What would you say? You're going to end up being hurt by what you've done in making Abimelech okay. king, and ultimately Abimelech's going to be hurt as well. Okay. If I was to sum up, if I was asked to sum up, what is 
the overall theological message of Judges 9. <clears throat> it is stated, I think, here in verse 20, it is stated in verse 23 and 24, and in verses 56 and 57, God is using Abimelech, and I'll abbreviate it, to punish Shechem. And God is using Shechem to punish Abimelech. Like that is the bottom line message of this chapter. And much of what unfolds, it either tells us why God is judging them, or it shows us God's means of judging them. But I think that sums up what the essence of this chapter is. If you've done good... If you've done good to the house of Jeroboam, and remember my father risked his life for you. If you've done well to him, then I hope things go well. But if not, may fire come out from Abimelech and consume you, and may fire from you consume him. He gives this message. Jotham gives this message, and he goes on the run. Now, right after that, the Bible begins describing this process. It begins describing the process of how God is using Abimelech to punish Shechem and God is using Shechem to punish Abimelech. And he talks about, well, what does he say about those three years, Paul? How would you sum up what he says about those three years? Sorry, say that again. I mean... Um, how would you sum up the message there of verses 23 through 25 as you ask in that question? Oh, basically God sends this Ill, Ill will and they're just constantly fighting. Yes. They're just taking it out on each other. Okay. They're, 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 God sends the ill will, as, as Paul said, was the thing I first wanted to emphasize now I know we got writing here. I'm trusting. You get, does anybody need it? If you want to take a picture of that outline real fast, it's nothing that you couldn't come up with on your own. But if you want to, I'll leave it just a second. But I'm going to need more board. Um, and, and you know how I believe in more board in each classroom. <laughs> but um, but here in nine twenty three, particularly, I want us to see that that God sends an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. Now, one of the things I also want us to see, this chapter is going to call to mind several connections with King Saul. Remember, God sent an evil or afflicting spirit on Saul in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 14. 
And I think it's also in 18 verses 10 and 11 that God sent an evil spirit on him. There are going to be quite a few comparisons between, between Abimelech and Saul. And that's, that's by design as God shows us his rejection of both of these men. And we said one of the things that, are, that was done is that the men of Shechem set an ambush against him on the tops of the mountains. Now, in verse 25, look at that expression. They set an ambush against him and they robbed all that might pass by along the road. It was told to Abimelech. I don't think that they're personally trying to ambush Abimelech still from him. Because they have to tell Abimelech later in the verse what's happened. But this is an insult to Abimelech. It's an insult to him because he can't protect the people who are going through his region. He can't protect them and it 